Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Broken Shovel Podcast, homesteading for a sustainable future. Uh, glad you're joining us. If you're new, I'm going to introduce myself. My name is Lucas, and this is... Eric. And our other co-host is... Lily. Good morning. Happy Tuesday uh, in our in our fun little time machine here. How's everybody doing today? Doing well. Yeah. I'm doing well. I saw blue sky when I went out shopping, and I was happy about that. <laughs> I got like 8,000 bug bites, though. Yes, yes. They're really itchy. They're like all over my arms and my ankles. Oh, the, the mosquitoes <laughs> are going to explode this week with how much oh. rain we got, and oh, now it's going to get nice and warm. Yep. And I, I pulled a tick out of my beard yesterday, it. and it's still no, haunting you. me. Oh, oh yeah, you see, yeah, you just still feel it there, like, oh, yeah, there's yeah. something crawling on my face, yeah. I would, yeah. I would yeah. literally yeah. shave instantly. I was brushing instantly. and combing for ages. I would, I would just be like, nope, gone no, beard. God, okay. no more beard. No. <laughs> well, instead of instead of grossing out our listeners, uh, let's talk about. <laughs> I just want to before we get into things here, uh, what this week's episode is about, and it is uh, very Vermont based, as we all are. Um, it is about that late Mother's Day frost that we were hit by this year. And uh, we're going to be talking about that, uh, talking about what we're going to be expecting out of harvests and the falls uh, as we head towards the end of the year and uh, having a good old time. Um, but anyway, Lily, what are we doing now? Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I should have had my list up. No, it's totally all right. Um, I also just got like a huge ping in my ear. So like I was like super... Um, distracted i'm gonna be honest what's um, going on on our homesteads all oh right my God, our homesteads uh no Eric, actually how, we're how... gonna we're gonna talk no, no we're gonna actually talk about the topic that you just brought okay. up okay um and i oh. would love to start with a um just a little bit about what happened in your homestead during that may frost well, let's let's establish what happened here. And first, uh, May 17th into May 18th, Vermont, parts of uh, eastern New York, and I believe a little bit of Maine, is that correct? Mm -hmm. um, it got hit by unusually low temperatures for that time of year. Yep. Uh, I recorded 28 degrees at home, um, was relatively unscathed, but we can talk more about that later. But uh, Eric, you've got the you've got the science details, don't you? Yeah. Man? So we had lows ranging across the region from up in Burlington to our area from 17 to 29 degrees. Yeah, amazing. Wow, that's so <laughs> cold. <laughs> <laughs> she says, coming from Martha's yes. Vineyard. Um, it wasn't that this... cold. <laughs> Uh, so, and we saw apple crops, uh, get hit by this quite a bit, grape crops and several fruit crops. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Yep. I saw blueberries were another big one that are, and we won't know. I mean, honestly, in a lot of these, we won't know for even still another few weeks as these plants start really, or should start producing more and showing visible fruit. Right. I haven't so, been down to my old orchard yet, but my cherries are showing fruit, so I'm I'm feeling good oh, about that. Good. That is really good. So. What zones did this whole whole temperature shift in in the late May affect? 
You mean, do we have so that? what do you mean by that? Like, like zone like, 5A, that yeah, kind of stuff? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't have a map in front of me to cross-reference that. We're zone 6 and 7. I, I treat everything like I'm in zone 5 uh, up here. Yeah, I, I always treat it as the hot, the like farthest north. Like, my rule is nothing goes outside before Memorial Day. Right, and I violated some of that this year. So I was I was oh. running around uh, preparing for this frost, and I only lost one thing, and it's because we forgot to cover it uh, or Oops. bring it inside. <laughs> but, uh, it's one of our favorite flowers too, the sweet pea mm. flowers. Um, so we lost a bunch of those, but uh, we're, we're able to uh, reseed some of those. Is this pretty normal for you guys to? always plant after Memorial Day or in this time frame, or would you have planted earlier if you had not known about the frost? Uh, never, never plant earlier than Memorial Day. I often do put in some things, but it's going to be um, things that I'm starting from seed, uh, which isn't going to be affected by a frost mm -hmm. like that, you know, so my carrots were in the ground, my beets were in the ground, uh, a lot of my... Um, Beans, uh, pinto and black beans were all on the ground, all of which are coming up beautifully. Uh, so, you know, um, direct sow products didn't seem to really be affected by this. Yep. Amazing. <laughs> now, that being said, I have a pear tree that was affected by this. Would you like um, to talk about your pear tree? <laughs> I'm so sad about my pear tree, and I, I made a video about it this morning. So we participate in No Mo May which is uh, an effort to encourage pollinators, early pollinators. And uh, we also just think lawns are stupid. Um, you know, they're just such a waste of space. They don't actually produce anything. Uh, so we don't really go in for a lot of that um, up here. But uh, my pear tree, which is my easternmost facing tree in my newest orchard, uh, I went out the morning of the 18th and all of my leaves were little black curled hooks uh, it all t pulled way back, way back. But the reason I bring up No Mo May is that below the six inches where the grass was, uh, right down to the ground, I, I have live branches with trees or with leaves and uh, everything under the grass is healthy and doing really well. And it tells me that my tree is still alive. I'm just not gonna get fruit off of it. Um, but, but yeah, No Mo May, uh, I, I believe that grass around that portion of the tree sheltered and held some warmth uh, against the tree. So um, don't mow your lawns. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no. unless you've got a, a teenager that you can make do it for you, right, Eric? Yes. Teenage labor. <laughs> Yay, teenage labor. <laughs> Still won't do the edges, though, but hey, we're getting there. I feel like uh, edging is the best part. I'm going to be honest. Like I don't edge. It, oh, okay. Yep. I mean, you you have... I don't think you could edge, really, on your property, and it looked well. Yes, my lady? What the... <laughs> yes. uh, yeah, you know, Meg always wants me to. Meg always wants me to like landscape a little bit, and I I hesitate on the weed whacker every year because I always yeah. inevitably like hit a tree and get in trouble. So. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Especially yeah, with like, the little yeah. saplings, you can really take those out super yeah. easy <laughs> with a weed whacker. Yeah. Yep. So, and uh, yeah. I bought the only cleared lot in all of Vermont, so we're constantly planting trees. And uh, 
uh, in, in efforts to uh, sustain ourselves for later. Um, so, um, would we like to talk about um, our local area and what how this this frost has affected <laughs> the Vermont area? <laughs> Sorry, we're laughing because I just poured water all over myself yep, because I didn't I close my that. water bottle. But, I uh, I, I'm hoping I'm hoping that I get to clean up before our guests was, from California yeah, show up trying, because I look like I peed my pants. Uh, I was trying to keep a straight face from like my rough start to this yeah. this uh, podcast, but well, you know it's just chaotic today. I guess that's where we're going. So, uh, you know, so. Locally uh, to to Eric and I uh, is Sweetland Farms in uh, Norwich, uh, which is directly between Eric and I. Pretty much, I would say almost exactly directly between us. Yeah, you know, distance and time wise, anyway. And uh, they really put in a lot of effort ahead of this frost when the warnings went out. They have um, they have fruit trees. And they had to, and they were able to protect a lot of that, mostly with sprinklers, uh, which is a very effective tool. Um, and uh, another tool I kept reading about called a uh, frost dragon, but all I keep getting is like something that looks like a Pokemon every time I look it up. A um, frost and, dragon. But, and they like rigged coverings for their uh, over a hundred varieties of vegetables that they have there. And, um, we're able, and, and by rigged, I assume it's like bug netting, sheets, tarps, whatever. You know, I was using five-gallon buckets over over plants that were out there, um, just flipping them over upside down. It doesn't really take much to fight off a frost. But when you're talking about the scope of some of these orchards across the state and, and you know, how prolific apple growth is in this state for the local economy it was they got very lucky um mm-hmm. in, in a lot of ways um but uh i keep see- and then what was the other thing i read the president of the vermont grape and wine council kendra knapik k-n-a-p-i-k i don't know knapik um noted a 50% loss in primary buds in vineyards across the state. Wow. So I, I don't really have a number on how big the the wine industry is in Vermont, but even if it's two, that's, that's half, <laughs> you know, 50% is half. Half. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I-, I think it's about as big as the uh, hard cider industry. If, about, uh, probably around the same size as the hard cider industry. Okay. I mean, I do see vineyards around in my travels, and mm-hmm. um, but I never really uh, visit them or, or, or anything like that, which I guess I should because they're going to be struggling this year. Mm-hmm. 100%. So. And I think, well, as, as we learned in last week's episode, I went on a cross-country trip basically to Michigan mm-hmm. from Vermont, and uh, it's – it was a little bit shocking how much crop loss you could see on the road and you could see that crops were struggling not only because of this frost and and the fact that these massive lambs couldn't cover every single tree or use a frost dragon which i looked up and i can describe to you in a second um (laughs) and uh the the next thing i noticed was just like um the sheer water drought like it was just so we went from a frost into a drought and it was just Mm -hmm. like bam 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 and we were just like pounding these like the produce this year with just like these 
Well, then we have the third whammy of we had an extremely oh, I, more than average rainfall this week, too. So we're going from drought, heavy rain, and hopefully we actually hit a normal sun and rain pattern going forward. But who knows? I saw some information coming out of the uh, Vermont uh, this morning. Uh, or over the weekend that is uh, warning people about lightning strikes and fires mm-hmm. um, and keeping their grass, you know, keeping things uh, clipped close to the home uh, because there we are, we are looking at July and August as being extremely dry. Yeah. yeah. So, so hopefully that, that, your that, rain buckets yeah. got filled in the last yeah. couple of days. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can pee in your garden, everybody. So, uh, <laughs> Good, good to know. <laughs> for roses too. It's really yeah. good for your roses. Um, so, but the like the obviously this happened. Why did this happen? Why did this happen so late? Do we do we? I mean, based on the records, this is this is not normal. Normal, but was is in the range of normal. I would agree. Okay. I feel like it's not unusual to see a, a dip, a low dip in temperature mm-hmm. around late May, but yeah. I feel like it really plummeted. Yeah, the, the tw- seeing the twenties around is what really was unusual because the average. I, I looked it looked it up a little bit, and the average for the last day of seeing uh, a thir- a thirty two degree day event is usually May 11th, but it ranges from the 1st of May to the 18th of May is usually when we see the last frost event. Okay. Um, and and, and it's, it was especially shocking to a lot of people because of the weather in the week leading up to this, which was mm-hmm. uh, uh, ranging... 70s and uh, 80s 70s yeah. and 80s I, you know i had, i had family visiting and we were out working every day and just couldn't do much past three o'clock in the afternoon most days because it just got so warm um, it was and, boiling. and it was so sunny yeah. and everything is coming up everywhere and uh you know trees were budding and i think that's something to talk about too because I, I i was talking with some locals at the farmer's market this past weekend and um just looking out to the horizon at the tree lines of, of our, you know, our ash and our birch and everything else that was blooming around that time. Yeah. The oaks got hit. The oaks got hit hard too. Yeah. I saw, I saw that on, on just like around my area and on my drive, like a tree development. And they're saying the oaks, we won't see the extent for at least two years because oaks are on a two year acorn cycle. Typically. Right. Wow. Okay. So we're not going to see the fallout or ramifications of that, until of this prosper until 2025 or wow. 2024. 2024. 2024. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, um, <laughs> sorry. So I didn't we... know that about oaks. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I didn't know they had a two year cycle. That's actually really interesting. Yep. And it was just making Well, there's a lot think... of apple varieties that do that too. Yeah. I was going to say it makes me think of how how much will then be affected in 2025 and and it, because of the cycles now mm-hmm. and just this one dip in frost what will be affected now in in years well, this to, isn't to one, come. Yeah, this one isn't a one and done event. This is 
this is, uh, you know, somebody just threw a really big rock into the pond mm -hmm. and we're going to, you know, we'll start to see, like Eric said, uh, we'll start to see some things happening, what, July, you know, we'll start yep. to, to be able to really notice what's going on. I mean, yeah. I, 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 well, I, yeah, I when blueberries come in is when we'll really start seeing stuff because strawberries, right. for the most part, people cover their strawberries anyways that time right. of year. So yeah. those are pretty well protected, but yeah, it won't be, I think, yeah blueberries will be the first one that we really see for fruit that comes in. Yeah. I covered all of my strawberries in, uh, you know, mulching hay and, uh, you know, was just, just picked one out of the garden a minute ago and nice. know, it, was, it was a little underripe, but it was, yep. uh, it's mine. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I grew this. <laughs> but so let's, so looking forward, I think we know what's yeah. happened. We know mm -hmm. how it happened. Now, looking down the road, what are we think, expecting here? We're, we're yeah. talking 50% of, you know, first bloom on grapes is down. So we know that. Um, and Same we know, we, mm -hmm. yeah, it's huge. Um, uh, what is it? The Van Trapp flower farm up there lost all of their tulips. Wow. Um, and uh, which is a huge, I mean, they can afford it, you know, mm -hmm. but um but they lost all of their tulips in, in one whole thing. And what was left, they just gave away because it just wasn't, a, they weren't able to do anything with them really, uh, you know, cause you can't put those tulips on a table uh, for a wedding um, no. <laughs> out there. So, um, so what, what products yeah. are we going to see affected by this? Apples, blueberries, grapes, um, I haven't heard about uh, butternuts or banana and acorns. We won't know, like we said, for two years, for potentially until next year's right. cycle. And that's that's all I had down for potential. Okay. What about raspberries? Because don't raspberries I, come before blueberries? I, they do, but they bloom later. Okay. Like my blackberries are just barely going out of bloom right about now because my ro my roses are going my wild roses are going right now and then my blackberries are just yeah there's they should start producing or showing fruit over the next couple weeks yeah like my currants are just starting to show fruit my cherries uh like i said i have to go down to my my old orchard i've got because i've got the two orchards um and i'll probably be doing that today showing people around the property but um uh but I'm starting to show, okay, yeah, strawberries, currants, and cherries are all showing fruit. My raspberries aren't really showing anything yet. But you can't kill a raspberry. I know. Not, raspberries you know? are so hard. I, <laughs> I, I wouldn't I love worry too much about a raspberry. <laughs> you know, yep. I'd, I'd, I'll pack it nice, and it'll come right back and put out fruit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How do, you, um, how do you think this is going to affect the the prices and, and like, because – I know in Vermont, it's huge to pick your own apples and pick your own strawberries and, and pick your own pumpkins. So how do we right. think this is going to affect that yield and the pricing? And uh, is it going to skyrocket? Are we seeing I that already? Think, I think it's going to be a massive spike, both because of this event and the fact that we are potentially growing into a very dry July and August that they're going to, and I, unfortunately, I love the farmers, but I find a lot of times they do jack up their prices just, just because they can. They, 
there's an excuse to, oh, weather event, we can raise our prices. Right. I know some and of then, that is to cover costs, but it does seem like there's a lot, a little bit of greedflation going on there too. Yeah, and once they see that the economy can uh, withstand that price hike, it, mm-hmm. it's not going to go down. You know, it's, nope. it's just like lumber prices. Everybody keeps waiting for lumber prices to take this nosedive. And They're not going it's to. It's not going to happen because, you know, we, we've seen that the economy can withstand these price hikes. So why would we stop? But that's not what this show is about. Yes. No. Uh, Eric and I. <laughs> we're, we're not economic podcasts. Yeah. We are uh, humble farmers. Er- yes. Eric and I were comparing strawberry prices earlier, and I paid mm-hmm. nearly $7 a pint this morning just down the road in Post Mills. And you pay, you saw how much, I Eric? saw on the list, on a share and list serve, uh, $8.50 a pint. Yeah. No, just for, for reference for people, what what would this, what was last year's prices or, or the year About before $5, yeah, $4.55. That's, and then $4.55 is average for go to the farm stand and buy a pint. <laughs> Right. I would agree. Yeah. I would agree with that, especially if you can go into a grocery store like Walmart and get a huge pack of strawberries for like five dollars. What what is going to encourage you to go pick your own for eight fifty? You know, well, not to sound xenophobic. Yeah. yeah, and not to yeah. sound no, xenophobic. I, I, get that, I don't but... want Mexican strawberries. I right. want Vermont strawberries. No, mm-hmm. I understand that, and I get I get that. But I think uh, Eric is right that the the price increase is is partly about the like oh we can charge the people this amount of money because we know how they they can afford so this is where we start talking about what this show is really about and that's about sustainability Mm -hmm. born from your own home the solution to fighting these price increases dependent on the disaster or just dependent on the way the world is going is to do it grow your own grow your own you know, I, yeah, you know, I did just go buy from the local farm stand, but it's the local farm stand. I paid a little bit extra. I know them. I trust them. And, and I've got company coming and they're coming from California. So I want, want them to have the best. You want to give of, them the good stuff. The good stuff. Right. Yeah. The, yeah. the high so, quality stuff. <laughs> you know, so I go out and I buy the Vermont roasting coffee. I don't buy Pete's or Starbucks or anything. Well, and, and I think this and, is you're right. This is like the entire basis of this podcast is that we're encouraging people to grow their own, you know, and, and, and trying to teach them how to grow your own, you know, and that even if there's a loss, you can do it. Like, yes. Eat seasonally. (laughs) Yeah. Don't be looking for strawberries in November that are going to be from anywhere that isn't, you know, an unnatural environment or shipped across the world. I have had three meals with asparagus so far this spring, all from the farmer's market. And that's probably it, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and I'm still two years waiting on my asparagus crop here. And that's going to be it, you know, unless I want to go to Hannaford and get Peruvian uh, uh, asparagus, which doesn't yeah. make any sense to me. It doesn't taste as good. It doesn't. It doesn't look as good, and it, you know, it's just it's just not as good. Um, you know, it's it's the size of a number two pencil, and it snaps Ooh. like a like one two. Um, I mean, the quality is just not there. And mm-hmm. I right. would pay the eight the eight fifty in order to get homegrown strawberries. And I know what I'm picking because I like my strawberries with particular mushiness and, and texture. <laughs> and I'm very particular when it comes to 
fruits and vegetables. And so I would agree with you, even though the prices are inflating and I don't right. have the land to grow this stuff, I will go to a local farmer, farmer's market. or I'll Just come up own. to the house, Lily. I just will. Just come on up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this is, this is how we fight these things happening across our country and our globe is to turn into your own backyard, front yard and side yards and, and, and make these things and, and preserve these things, which we'll be talking about a lot coming up soon Mm -hmm. um, as these products come in. If you want strawberries in November, you need to learn how to preserve them. Or or learn how to use an arrow garden really well. (laughs) Right. Yes. You're a big fan of the arrow garden. Or Um, I'm actually, I've, I've wanted to try it, but I'm actually going to set, I'm going to quote unquote build raised beds in my basement in the right. room I use I used to use for growing weed, and I'm just going to see like haul a few few bucket loads of dirt out of my garden and put it into these beds that I built put in the basement and see what I can grow under my grow lights besides weed. Right, and I have a grow tent uh, which we use for weed, but um, and, but there's nothing stopping me from growing lettuce all winter because we're not really growing anything at that time. Yep. So that's that is we are turning more and more to this. Okay, we have a limited growing season here. Uh, why? What's stopping me from growing in the winter? Well, it's a space and light here in the Northeast. So um, with, with these different solutions, I actually really look forward to sort of comparing and working uh, with you and, and getting feedback from you, Eric, because we can try different things. And yes. uh, I, I think it'll be really fun. And, you know, mm-hmm. if we don't grow the same thing, we can just trade stuff. Exactly. <laughs> <So>. Yes. <laughs> well, and I think, and I think, growing stuff in your basement or having this this atmospheric greenhouse in your basement or wherever you you put it can also help with things like the frost the late frosts or or any uh changes in the weather and the temperature the soil like anything like that and you can control it in your own little environment yeah 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 well yeah we have a a tremendous amount of control but but the cost of that infrastructure is huge you know i would love to have a massive greenhouse and Uh, yeah i would love to have a wood a a wood stove in a greenhouse that i could be like i want to grow stuff in december and i can (laughs) yeah so and and maybe someday i'll be able to afford that and be able to do that but for right now you know, you work within the confines of what you have. And I, I love yep. Eric's idea. And if people have circumstances like that, grow lights, like even just to get the bulbs and some of those clip on metal lights is not an expensive investment. I mean, you can get go to Home Depot, get an LED, an, a, a, a decent LED strip light. It's like 45 bucks. Yeah. So it's, you know, to, to then- move inside is, is not... Typical. And that's the thing, like you guys have all of this vast land, but someone like me who lives in a studio apartment, I don't have that vast land that you guys have. And so having the opportunity to, you know, have like a little baby garden on my desk is is super nice, which I don't have yet because I don't have <laughs> Yet again I am in my car. Um <laughs> but Let's let's kind of wrap this up and and final thoughts on the frost and the and and everything. Eric, um, I overall I think we are we are going to see more often events, not necessarily this specific event, but but weather temperature events like this, 
late frosts, early heat waves, early frosts, like all of it. Because a piece of information I found that uh, in going to my my data discovery was like the last year Burlington had one of its earliest first freezes on record. Wow. Well, and when, when was that? That was the, uh, I believe it was the uh, a 18th, 18th-ish of October. Okay. I did it again. I poured he water all over poured myself water again. all over himself. <laughs> uh, and I was looking at my, I was looking at my charts. Oh, man. I'm, I'm apparently, I'm preventing a frost on my lap. Yeah, by, yeah by sure oh. It's, it's Oh, I forgot to describe the. Oh, please. Uh, yeah. Before the, we move yes, on to our, our the frost dragon. dragon. So what it is, it's a tractor that pulls a cylindrical container that is, it's, I think it's heated somehow, but there's hay in there and the hay catches on fire and basically it smokes out the side. So it's like heating the, and they just run it down. It's pretty cool looking. I'm not doing a great job describing it, but I imagine it's just like a cylindrical uh, attachment for your tractor and it, uh, it steams your your crops. Um, as you If it's hay, it smokes. It smokes. Yeah. So it smokes. And so, which probably like breaks that front and keeps them quite warm, but it would probably be very expensive too. And you'd have to have the equipment and the funding and everything to have such a big massive piece of equipment yeah, which you're not yeah. going to see on a, on a small homestead no uh, no period absolutely so. not but you could you could create your own frost dragon somehow probably i don't know yes yes that's more of a conversation for it's more of a conversation for our other podcast yes uh, <laughs> <laughs> um Okay, yeah, and I, I, I agree with Eric as far as going what, what we're going to see going forward. It's just going to be more and more events, um, and, you know, we're going to talk more about this type of stuff uh, more often, I think, mm-hmm. and, um, and, and really, really, really have to talk about work, doing it yourself and being intelligent, being prepared. Uh, something I like to point out to people all the time, that you need a garden journal. This, you know, and and not to be all crazy old hippie about it, but someday this information may not be easily accessible through the Internet. Mm -hmm. And uh, by writing things down, by talking to each other, uh, we can actually find we can keep this information and prevent ourselves from, you know, losing crops in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I, I definitely keep a garden journal. I write these things down. And uh, because they're important and um, it's I, I highly encourage you to get a notebook and write down the events in your home garden or homestead. Yes. Right. Agree. Yes. Great. So what are we doing at home what? these days? Yeah. I was like, what's happening on the homestead guys? Well, uh, Lily was up uh, four days ago. And kind of yeah. saw a lot of, of what we got going on up here. Um, weeding. It's all weeding right now. Um, I've got my lettuces coming up. I can see teeny tiny little carrot heads. Beets are coming up. Herbs are coming up. Sunflowers are doing really well. Yep. Um, uh, this rain has been uh, kind of tough on some of the, the larger plants. You know, and you, it's, I know that sounds counterintuitive, but my tomatoes and my peppers – 
And a lot of these types of plants aren't doing much. They haven't grown. They're not putting out new growth. Uh, I'm hoping that See, really shifts hmm. soon. I've actually, but, I actually saw some good growth on a couple of my tomatoes, but then I, but my, my, I've given up on the pumpkins I had. They're not doing, I mean, they, they put off a flower. But other than that, like they're not vining at all. They're not putting off mm -hmm. good sized leaves. I actually today I went and put, bought some more cu new cucumbers, new pumpkins, more tomatoes. But I saw like I, I yesterday I weeded the uh, my row of carrots because I actually I was like looking I'm like oh my god look there's little one inch tall carrots now. So yeah, I, got, we, nice. I weeded That's those great. and also I also got super frustrated because I found a I pulled up the uh, a piece of mint. And this piece of mint had grown off of about an inch and a half piece root piece that had been tilled up. So this, and it, even a, a tidy little piece of root left was enough to, for this mint to start coming back. And I'm just like, I've got to till, I've got to till again. I've got to weed my rows again. And yeah. Yeah. Lots well, of that stuff. <laughs> yep. It's a weird, it's been a weird spring. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. I, in the last several, last couple of years, everything just sort of did it itself and I didn't have to think about it. I am pinching flowers mm -hmm. off of the tomatoes, but um, yeah. I think that's, that's more of their just effort to be like, this isn't right. We need to, we need to fruit. And, yeah. I've and seen, I think I've seen a lot year. of that. Yeah. Better than, yeah my, my sunflowers, which I wouldn't expect to really, flower for another few weeks if not into july are mm -hmm. starting to show like that kind of that head of their their flower okay. and were these direct sown or were they nope, these uh, are the ones i started inside uh -huh. and I, I really think i have an issue with my water and i need to get my i need to get a, a what a nutrients test done on my water because I feel like all the plants that I watered straight from the tap, just kind of after a, about a month of being watered, kind of just got stunted. Oh, Ooh. are you well water? Yep. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. I've got, so I, I mean, I pull copper ore out of my soil. I've got a mm -hmm. very, but then you'll, you'll go 20 feet to the right and it's all sand. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's just it's so frustrating. Oh, see, I'm all clay up here. I'm all yeah. clay on top oh, of lead. Oh, that's kind of nice. Okay, yeah, and then I'll have a big patch of clay. Yeah. So, but a lot of <laughs> certain things, I, I tend to, you know, we do try to rotate things around for the nutrients. And you're coming off of an off year from the garden, right? Two, uh, yeah, I, yes, a very off year. I just kind of let the whole thing go wild last year, which is. Also, why my mint battle is a I'm I'm three steps behind the mint. <laughs> but yes, um, I, I think going a, a off year really did not do my garden well. Like things are not doing as well as I would expect. But I think part of that is the weather. Another part of that, I believe, is because I did an off year last year and just didn't do anything. Yeah. I had some beds that I, I didn't plant last year, but I filled them with alfalfa mm -hmm. um, and then tore the alfalfa out and replanted. Yeah. So that seems to have saved my bacon and alfalfa seeds are so cheap. So, yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, and again, Lily, it was so fun to have you up here and show you around. You were the first official tour of the season of the, of <laughs> the your, garden. With your pagan rocks. 
Oh yes, my, my our our pagan stones all over the place. It's, <laughs> wait till you see it, Eric. It's so different. It's, 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 it's uh, beautiful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, it's great, and I help you finish your chive blossom vinegar. Oh. Yeah, you helped. Yeah, she Lily yeah. helped me make more hot sauce, and mm-hmm. we made the we finished the chive blossom vinegar, which is just stored nice. now. Um, I have to figure out my next vinegar, um, mm-hmm. like because I'm doing seasonal vinegars all summer um, for a gift for someone in in the, for the holidays. So, Still a few weeks away, but maybe right. can you do one out of scallions? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, that would be nice. Yeah, because yeah, so I mean, gonna... my onion, my onions are about two inches tall now. Ooh, mine are like a foot tall. Jesus. Yeah, but I, yeah, but I started, <laughs> but mine are only like three weeks old now. Yeah, uh, mine were okay. in the ground. Uh, probably around. I'd have to check my garden journal, but <laughs> I want to say around the twenty fifth of May. Yep. So, um, but yeah, so, uh, we're kind of running short on time here, Lil, are we, how are we doing? We're, we're doing well, but I think we should get to our listener interaction. Oh, okay. um, it sounds so formal calling it that, but I'm, I'm yes. sticking with it. Our listener interaction. <laughs> When you slide uh, into someone's DMs to ask gardening questions. <laughs> I had the mm-hmm. kindest comment today on TikTok. It's not directly related to this, but I was explaining, you know, um, uh, putting linseed oil on your wood handle tools. Mm. And this this uh, woman in Alaska was like, this is I, this is what I imagine having a good dad is like. Oh, that is so sweet. But also, when you oil your your wood tools, yeah. like that that is, yeah. should be a normal thing you do <laughs> for anyone. Well, listening. I was holding a broken rake at Broken Shovel Farm, so guess what I didn't do once or twice. So yeah. Um, anyway, so you got some sort of message, Lily. Yes, uh, a listener, Dennis, messaged uh, us and asked what you'd both do to prevent uh, bugs and beetles, whether or not you do prevent, or if you just free-range them. <laughs> well, there, it really, well, it often comes down to the pest, right? <laughs> um, but there are some um, sort of wide-spectrum things you can do. Uh, I don't have slugs up here. Do you have slugs, Eric? Not Is that, that just bad. a Vermont I, I, thing? I have slugs, but they're not like, oh my god, my slugs ate up, destroyed my radishes kind of slugs. Right. They're just kind of like, oh yeah, there's a slug. Yay, good slug. Yeah, yeah. I have none here. I'll pull them off of mushrooms when I'm foraging and stuff, but at home, and I wonder if it's because my soil is so rich in copper. Mm. <laughs> Probably. Um but uh, one of the main things we'll do around beds, um, because it's it's effective with a lot of pests, is is planting plants that uh, discourage bugs, like mint, rosemary. Uh, our basil. favorite here is basil. You know, most of your culinary herbs, bugs don't like them. Um, uh, but we like to plant marigolds, uh, mm-hmm. which, you know, they're beautiful, and they are also a pest control uh, yep. Items, so I, I I don't use any chemicals of any kind. Uh, oh, uh, coffee grounds, eggshells, those sorts of things will help. But um, but yeah, it, it's it's really look at good companion plants for your plants that are being uh, hit by bugs, and 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 sort of cross reference that with plants that you know you can't 
go wrong with rosemary <laughs> basically uh it's you're always going to use it you know <laughs> and even if you're not using it and it, it gets really big on you you can use those branches for uh your for a barbecue at the end of the year for the for yep. the skewer for a kebab you know there's yeah. and they're, they're going to keep away a lot of bucks um yep. and rosemary um, dries really well too it so does. it's yes Yes, I've got very a useful. ton of time drying in the kitchen right now yeah. um, already, like wild time. But um, plant things, don't use chemicals, mm -hmm. and um, plant extra. Always plant more than yes. you think you're going to need. Yeah. Um, I use the 30% uh, rule. 30% rule, so... 30% go goes, goes to nature, 30% goes to weather, 30% for harvest. Right. That's, yeah. And, and, that's yeah. That's perfectly perfectly Fantastic. reasonable. Yep. <laughs> and you know, I, I think I said this last episode, but if if something isn't eating your garden, you're, you're doing something not wrong. Part of the ecosystem. Correct. Like, yeah, you're doing something <laughs> wrong. It's not good. Do not add chemicals. Just be no. part no. of the ecosystem. That yeah. is. I think that is yep. the basis of that. <laughs> yep. I have no problem with you know it bums me out, but if I wake up in the morning and my cherry tree has been picked off by a deer. Oh well, oh well. That's why I have four cherry trees because they can't yeah. get them all. Deer got a great snack, you know. Yeah, right. So, although when they get um, my hedges, mm. <laughs> you're like snack for me. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's kind of we we. I think we talked about this frost. We're going to be revisiting this in the fall. Uh, yep. uh, absolutely. Because we're, then we're going to start seeing some real numbers. You know, there's yes. there's some estimates that right now we're looking at about a 14 percent hit. I am uh, I'm not confident that that is as bad as it got. I think it might have been a little think, worse than that. I think <laughs> so, so. I think it was worse, but we'll see. We'll see what yeah. the fall brings. Only, so. Yeah, only time will tell. Yeah. So we'll revisit this in the fall. Uh, yep. As far as next week, and we even have a, a reporter in the field, <laughs> we've got this massive uh, heat wave hitting Texas this week. Mm -hmm. um, Eric was looking at the forecast. I was looking at a forecast hundreds and higher uh, mm -hmm. pretty much everywhere except for the Gulf of Mexico. Yep. And, it's, and, it's, and it's just sitting there for at least the next week. And this is... It's a per I mean, we picked the perfect time to decide to talk about the power grid and the uh, how the grid's been weatherized and able to handle the uh, extreme temperature events that we keep seeing. Right. And, and we're going to talk a little bit about how Vermont has treated their power grid and basically whether we think it's going to weather um, long term forecasts oh, I for the world. Good, good information on that one. <laughs> <All right. laughs> well, I think that's going to be a really great episode next week. We're also going mm -hmm. to finally have um, uh, Rebecca from, oh my gosh, I just forgot the name of her farm. I just, I just Fiddler's to... Green Farm here in Vermont. Think, yeah. um, and I'm going to be talking to her and uh, we're going to have a nice little chat about her homestead, her business and uh, all that good stuff. Nice. All right. Uh, and this Thursday, I am on the KD Time podcast. So I will link to that podcast uh, where we're kind of talking about um, just why I do this. <laughs> so, uh, to what I plan, what I want to get out of it. Uh, anybody have anything to add before we head into the week? Have a great week. 
Yeah, Just water your garden. Week. It's watered yes. enough. <laughs> yes, well. <laughs> No, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> it depends. Yes. Depends. I gotta put depends the weed on out. where you are. <laughs> yes, the weed's gonna be getting watered. Um, <laughs> all right, kids, uh, homesteaders, home gardeners, homeboys, and homegirls. That was fun. <laughs> <Peace out. laughs>